Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is... <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Wayne is the general manager, ranch manager of Tekeskeet Ranch uh, in southwest Texas. I do not introduce him at all in this podcast because we dive into a conversation about high fence hunting right off the bat and I just don't get around to it. Apologies. But Wayne is the epitome of an old school Texas rancher. He has some very strong opinions about what constitutes hunting versus killing. And this conversation you don't know Wayne from a bar of soap, but it's a phenomenal conversation about really peeling back the onion layers when it comes to perceptions around hunting and perceptions around high fence. So you, you just said to me, the thing about high fence is? Uh, I think to be productive... High fence needs to be on large acreage. What do you mean by productive high fence? To where you can truly manage herds. And sure, you, you, you can go to the small 100-acre, 500-acre, 1,000-acre places. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna come up with a certain amount of good shooters. But when you take a large place, now you've given the hunter the advantage of being selective mm -hmm. and at the same time you're controlling your nutrition of course even on 100 acres you got a nutritional program but your breeding program and culling program all it does is produce the high quality shooters that most hunters want do you think that there's a 
a cutoff between a high fence that people come and hunt in and a high fence that people come and kill in. But does it does it make it? Oh yes, yes. It, it's it's a big separation there, and that's what I go back to the hundred acre, five hundred acre, thousand acre place. So what is it? That's a kill. So your number is a thousand. My my personal number, thousand or better. And like a thousand our, or better, and you would classify that as hunting slash free range. Depending on the terrain too. Okay. Now there's you've you've got open pastures. Yeah, there's there's no hunting in that. But you take like the South Texas area. That's a hunt. I mean, we've gone here. I've taken hunters out, and we've spent hours. And not get what we want. Essentially, the same style of hunting, same chance of hunting, regardless of whether you have a high fence around the property or a low fence. Mm-hmm. A high fence around, okay, you take this Tecosquite Ranch, 8,000 plus acres. Yep. We've only got two pastures. Right. So now you've got to hunt. 2,600 and, and like 5,800. Yeah, now like you've that. got to hunt. Say you want Gimsbach. Well, our, our number's on Gimsbach. 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 I, I, I stand corrected, but I've been saying it all <laughs> since since Craig corrected me. But Gimsbach. Oh. Uh, our numbers on Hemsbach are not what our numbers are on the Scimitar Oryx. Mm-hmm. We've hunted for two days and not see a Hemsbach. Right. Or not, we may see them, but we ain't going to get a shot because they're 200, 300 yards off. And in this brush, it's tough. It's tough. You can't qualify as it a male or a female right. to get your shot. Hence, hunting. Mm-hmm. If you go to a 100-acre pasture, there's, you know, unless it's just solid thick brush that's the only only thing with that if you got the thick brush out now you can hunt in 100 acres but most 100 acre places aren't like that why do you think you grew up here in texas Mm -hmm. where in the san angelo area i grew up on a 26,000 acre ranch so west texas yep 26,000 acres high fenced nope no nope so no exotics on there, or they no, had some no, exotics. No, this is this is the year's cattle ranch. It's sheep, goat, cattle ranch. Gotcha, with a little bit of white tail in there. And we had some good bucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had some native, probably one sixty to one eighty bucks killed every year. Okay, but nutritional back then was a lot different than it is now. Sure. I mean, you take ranches that actually do their soil conservation and whatnot, you can get your protein up. Back then, it was in the West Texas area is probably one of the highest protein solid grasses mm-hmm. in in the country. Well, you've got grasses, you got the wahia, you got you know, things that just have a lot of protein in them. Yeah, we had the curly mesquite and the side oats gamma and, and several other good grasses that have are high protein. Mm-hmm. That's why naturally you have just mm-hmm. good... Right. Antler growth and antler development. That's like south of here, 200 miles south of here. That's where you get those gigantic whitetail that are natives. They're mm-hmm. not They're not hand-fed. They're native. 200-pound mm-hmm. whitetail bucks in Texas, but that's the only place you'll find them. So would you say growing up in the San Angelo area, 
Was was high fence just a thing? Like never, never heard of it. Never heard of it growing up. Mm-mm. There was no high fences back in the fifties, and probably high fence probably hit late sixties. That so, I know of. I mean, it may have been somewhere else, but I didn't know it. So, given that you grew up without high fencing, mm-hmm. and now high fencing is, what would you estimate on the landscape in West Texas? Forty percent of the landscape is high fenced. Thirty percent hunting in the last what twenty five years, thirty years, maybe hunting has become. That one of the most productive forms of income that there is. Right. Many ranchers have, I mean, we they scraped it, made a good living with their cattle or their sheep or their goats. But when hunting got so popular, now you could go out and lease your property to a hunter for five, six dollars an acre, mm-hmm. you know. Raise your mic up a little bit. From Raise, you know, there we go. just... Now you've upped your income off of hunting, and it just it's evolved to where many ranchers have just about quit ranching and have gone high fence. Interesting. Put the feed program out and develop the deer. Make more money doing that. You've never been to South Africa? No. That's why I, whenever I come into West Texas, I feel like I am in South Africa. You drive down highways in South Africa... And both sides of the highway have high fence. Mm-hmm. And obviously the wildlife in West Texas, like this morning, we saw zebra and we saw Kremsbok and we saw, not that we have scimitar horned oryx in South Africa, but blessbuck and wildebeest. And so it's like almost like I'm out of Africa. And that's why we, we titled the documentary that we built out of Africa is that this is Africa. And, and interestingly enough, the model... The land value model, the wildlife value model, is the same as South Africa mm-hmm. in that the land has to pay for itself. Agree or disagree? Absolutely. So if the land has to pay for itself, how does the land pay for itself? You answer that question. How does the land pay for itself? What are the options? Develop a, a wildlife deer program. No, but there's other options. Well... You've got to spend a lot of money to develop the land. Mm-hmm. And if you spend the money to put everything into irrigation, plant your high grasses or your crops or whatever, now you're 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 getting more value out so of it. So you're saying land. ag. Right. Agriculture or you could go the opposite side of agriculture, which is the cattle, sheep, goats side of the business. Okay. But me, sh- cattle, sheep, goats, Crops, grass, to me, that's all ag. Okay. So yeah. you would you would essentially have a, a sort of multi-ag system on a property like this? Uh, okay. The on te- the 26,000-acre ranch that you grew up on. Okay. That's, that's strictly ag. That's strictly sheep, goat, cattle, and deer now because you take the little town where I came from, Menard, back then there was no hunting programs. Now you go to Menard, Eden, all around Angelo. There's some of the biggest whitetail operations. Mm-hmm. And land went from probably $800 an acre to there's 1,000, 15, 2,000 acre places going for 
3500 $4,000 wow. an acre. Wow. Well, that's hard to be, you know, it's hard to make it pay for itself. And let's uh, let's be let's let's a little bit of truth here. It's going at thirty five hundred dollars an acre, not because it's cattle ground. Mm -mm. No, you take the land around Fredericksburg and all around there. That's cedar country. That's ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars acre, and it won't raise three goats. Mm -hmm. It's the mystique of the hill country. Mm -hmm. That's what's happened. There's so many mystiques in different areas that's caused the land to go up. And you couldn't put three goats on and make them live. So in a place like this, 8,000 acres, you know, there's stigma around high fence. What what does the wildlife look like on this property? As far as... Is it a, you know, we're going to shoot 20 this weekend and next weekend I'm buying 20 and putting them on the property? Fortunately, right now, we've been in a position where we've raised just 98 percent of what we kill and we've developed a program to do that there are certain species that we've had like take like you and i talked yesterday the wildebeest mm -hmm. yeah we were raising them but they've become one of the most sought after items and we've shot some and then the, the big freeze this year we lost some and now they're hard to find because of that severe freeze yeah. but other than that the Texas Keat Ranch has had a good development program of raising what we kill you go to other places and sure okay you want a wildebeest give me a week I'll find one and we'll turn it out and, and we shoot it whereas this these are home raised and it gives it a little bit more hunters like that mm-hmm you know, I mean, you can go to different places, and no matter what you want, we can find it. Well, we've only got 13 species, so that's what we've limited our deal from. Sure. And those 13 species work very well for what... And you don't hunt all 13 species, though. No, no. Uh, our, yeah, well, the only thing we have not shot here is our Impala. Mm -hmm. We've shot uh, the Grants, mm -hmm. and we've shot everything else, so they actually... The Impala is the only thing that we have not shot. Let me ask you this. One of the things that we keep hearing on Blood Origins whenever we talk about high fence, and it's a, somehow one of the most controversial topics inside of the hunting community. Mm -hmm. Right? It's almost, it's funny, it's almost like the high fence issue is more of a hunting hunter issue than it is a anti-hunter, non-hunter issue. And it all comes down to, I guess, this idea that, one, it's not fair chase. Well, let's just deal with a couple of them. Let's just deal with each of the things that are issues mm -hmm. with, with uh, high right. fence. Fair chase. Fair chase here on Texas Keat Ranch or not fair chase? Fair chase. Why is it fair chase? Because it's so vastly open. It's just... The only thing that the high, our high fence is doing is separating our 8,000 acres from next door neighbor. Right. That's the only thing that fence is there for. So you come here, like I said, we've hunted for hours and hours and hours after a species. And be the same thing as if you went to 8,000 acres and said, I'm going to open range and I'm going to go kill the biggest buck out there. Good luck. Go at it. Go at it. You think you're, secondly, 
your chances of killing are much higher behind a high fence than they are low fence. True or true. not true? True. Would you say that the hunting is easier out of a blind and feeder on a high fence versus a low fence? All the same. Well, it's hard. That one's hard for me to answer because we don't hunt out of a blind here, as far as our exotics. I've hunted out of blinds on low fence. Okay, deals. well, let's just let's just ignore the exotics for a second. Okay, whitetail hunting out of a blind here with a feeder, Texas style, easier because it's a high fence operation, or the same than a low fence. Now you're getting me started on it uh, on my little pet peeve. Go ahead. When I was a kid, 26,000 acres, there was no such thing as a corn feeder. When I was a kid from the time I was 10 years old, I would put a gun in my hand and you took off through the pasture. You killed it, cut its throat, and if you couldn't gut it, you could go back home, get one of the adults, and they'd come get it. Then along comes the corn feeder Mm -hmm. and the blind. Mm -hmm. I've been tickled my whole life watching hunters be on places Go get into the camo, go get their face painted, and go climb up in a blind. <laughs> and I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. That's hunting? That ain't hunting. But to them it is. To them that is hunting. And technically they are hunting. They're not killing. No, no they're, okay. hun- they're, they're hunting, but they're waiting on it instead of going after it. But hunting. it's still hunting. Okay, wait a it's minute. It's still hunting. Okay, okay, you take... Let's go, okay, let's go back to the days of Daniel Boone. Did they go put corn out? No, they that was hunting. Going out, looking for it, stalking it, killing it. Yeah, but that hunting was because they needed it. They needed the meat. Okay, they I, hunted for, they didn't hunt for recreation back then. Okay, there you go, right there. The difference between fair chase hunting and the blind hunting it's just exactly what you just said. It's recreation. Negative. Negative. Uh, I'm going to push back on that because okay. fair chase hunting, regardless of whether you do it spot or stalk or in a blind or up a tree on a tree stand, it's all fair chase and it's all hunting. Sorry, let me back that statement up. It's all hunting because there's an element of, there's an element of failure associated with it. And that's what comes back to the whole high fence issue, which is that that element of failure. When you look at the definition of hunting, hunting is chasing, pursuing something. You're hunting for it, right? Mm-hmm. It has a, it has a, it has failure built into its definition. Otherwise, it would be killing. Killing has a finality to it. There is no failure when it comes to killing. Okay, so to me, that is the divisiveness of a high fence. The divisiveness of a high fence is that people say you are reducing that chance of failure and making it more, not more easy, that's terrible English, easier for you to find and seek and kill. Okay, if you look at it in the kill respect, yeah. Okay, but the, there again, I'm an old man. I was raised up yes, one, one way. To me, hunting is 
like you said, going after, chasing, get looking. You've got failure. To me, the blind hunting that has got a corn feeder in front of it, the only failure have there is if you don't hit it. And most blinds, in my observation in the last 20 years, is a 75-yard shot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, the only failure there is if you just flat can't hit it. Mm -hmm. And you're not really hunting. You're bringing it to you. That corn feeder is just bringing the, the objects to you mm -hmm. for your selective kill. Yeah, that's exactly. It. So that's where, for me, I disagree with what you say about hunting in a blind with a corn feeder in front of it. Okay. Okay, you go, you go down to South Texas, farther down south of us, where they put blinds on a, on a Sendero. There's no corn feeder. Okay, I'll agree there. There's hunting. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yep. So just because the corn feeder isn't there mm -hmm. and you sit on a blind, that's you. to you, you're not attracting anything. But what about the Sondero? The Sondero is attracting it. Oh, no. Sondero is a cross path. Okay. And you're... you're so the Sondero is not planted. No. Nope. The Sondero is nope. just an open... Exactly. It's it's like we go down where you saw clay on the on the right. on the right. uh, chop, roller chopper. Well, they've got their 75, 80 yards wide cut paths. Mm -hmm. Well, now that deer is that's his cross path. So now you're sitting and you're waiting, and now that's hunting because you're waiting. You're not a you're not baiting. Mm -hmm. that animal to you so you can go any meeny miny mo that's my kill shot right there mm -hmm. to me that's not hunting so let me say let me you wouldn't know this because you're not you don't do what i do or what we do at blood origins but let me ask this question so in the in our hunting community we have we face a lot of hate mm -hmm. and that's why i pressed you a little bit there because we have a lot of internal hunting community hate we have people who would absolutely um, or would will vilify anyone that comes and hunts a high fence. They would technically um, say the exact same thing you just said about a blind and a feeder to someone who hunts a high fence. Now, in my, in, from our perspective, let me ask this question to you, and this is how we address it. I want to hear what you, you think, because I know already you'll, you'll speak your mind. Does that make, you may not call it hunting. Does it make the individual any less of a hunter? No, because you take the probably the higher percentage are people that come out of the cities. Correct. That's their only one time, two time, three time a year. Correct. To get, I've got nothing against them. Correct. You know, that's their, they don't have a lot of them, higher percentage don't have the opportunity to do that solid, what I would Five days, six days. Go at it, get in the ground, get after it. Mm -hmm. Like here at Texas Keat, I mean, mm -hmm. we use, we use high rack trucks. Mm -hmm. We can go for hours and hours and hours and not get what we want. Right. But no, you you take the the doctor, the lawyer, even the worker, blue collar worker that that's all that's his only chance to go spend 
3000 $4,000 a year to get a lease on somewhere to pay his share of a lease and his feeder and his blind. and I mean, he's got ten grand in it real easy. That's his, that's his release. That's his enjoyment. For him, that's hunting. So, I've got nothing against it. It's just I separate the difference of hunting to... So it's a preference thing. It's a preference thing for me. It's not a downcast, look down your nose at everybody else who does it differently. No. No. Every man's got to have his own enjoyment. And if that's his enjoyment and his, that's his only opportunity to do it that way. And it's legal. And it's legal. Glory to him. You know, I, that's, I've got friends. That's the only way they know how to hunt. Mm-hmm. And they've been hunting their whole lives, but that's the only thing they know is to go put that corn feeder out, get in that blind, and sit there at 5.30 in the morning and wait for daylight. And like you said, I mean, but it's his, his choice. If what comes to the feeder is not what he wants, that's his choice. Sure. There's no, sure. you know, he doesn't, he doesn't come out on the bad. I know him. I've, I've got some close friends that'll sit there day in, day out, all year, all hunting season long for one buck. Just wait for that one. Just wait for that one buck. But to him, that's the most glorified thing he can do. That's He loves it. Mm-hmm. Got nothing against him. For me, the high fence... Me is the larger the acreage for the high fence keeps it more to the hunting type. And I can understand why people don't like high fence because they're hunting high fence on a, on a small place. Mm-hmm. But again, not that you're casting shade or looking down your nose at those individuals. No. It's just a preference thing from your perspective. Right. Exactly. You prefer and I, and I don't think it should be, I don't think there should be this separation in the hunting community because it, it really, it's all about the same thing. It's all about getting out, getting out into the elements, whether you're sitting in a hundred acre high fence place with your choice of bucks, it's your enjoyment to get out, enjoy nature. 1000%. That's all. That's what it, hunting is all about, and so there should not be this turmoil in the hunting community because it. Gosh, I wish there wasn't, man. But because it's all about the same thing, whether it's hundred acre high fence deal or a hundred acre low fence deal or eight thousand acres here, it's all about the same thing. Or feeding, or blinds, or yeah, bow or rifle. Right. Bow, rifle, pistol. I've had pistol hunters. Camo versus jeans. Well, there we go. Now you've opened up another can. Everybody goes and gets camo. What's the best camouflage, Wayne? What I'm wearing right now. Sit still, be quiet, stay in, out of the wind. That's it. I've had, I've sit on an oak tree and had does walk within 10 feet of me. Never, and just be real still. They don't know it mm-hmm. till they till they catch your wind, mm-hmm. and that's the way I grew up. We, God, whatever we were wearing, that's there was no such thing as camo. Right. The only thing I laugh at is camo, 
paint your face up and go sit in the blind. <laughs> still was, hunting, though. It's still hunting. But it's and, something and, to laugh at. And it's just, it's humorous to me. Right. Oh, I've guided, you, you can't believe how people have come out in their clothing and whatnot, but that is what they enjoy. Right, exactly. You can't, I may not like it, hundred percent. But he enjoys it, mm-hmm. and if he enjoys it, and he's doing it legally, and he's doing it responsibly, and he's not hurting anyone else. Nope. More power to him. You, exactly. I'll help him any way I can. There we go. I'll paint his face so he can go crawl in the blind for you. There we go. <laughs> well, Wayne, I appreciate you. Um, thank you for putting the headset on and removing your cowboy hat. Well. <laughs> yeah. No, it's an enjoyment. Y'all been an enjoyment here. Anything else on your heart? No. Tied to high fence? Just love it. Either way. If people are listening to this and have never experienced a high fence and have a perception around what high fence hunting is, what would you say to them? Come here and you'll never see the fence, hardly. You won't you won't notice. Oh yeah, we'll drive down beside the high fence or whatever, but then we'll be in the middle of the pasture, and you'll never see that fence. Well, that, that's that's. Um, I think people would get confused, and let's define a pasture, because a lot of people listening to this will immediately take an agricultural mindset and go, "Oh, this is open green grass, flat landscape. All the animals are out there. Pick your animal, shoot it." No, not here. A pasture really here means just a a it's segment of land that is fenced. Within what? it, it could be hills and rolling hills and and creek bottoms and dams and everything like that a pasture is just a confinement area that's it gotcha it could be a hundred acre pasture or like here almost six thousand acres in a pasture gotcha i mean the ranch i grew on up smallest pastures where we kept our horses and it was 600 acres Mm -hmm. good deal good deal well thank you wayne Thank you. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.